Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. As we look to Scripture uh, today, uh, we're going to be turning to the Gospel of Luke, to the end of the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 24. Um, we continue this week to be mindful that we are in the season of Eastertide. I hadn't really heard that, that, that word that much. Eastertide is this season of Easter. We live in the shadow of an empty cross, Amen. That on Resurrection Sunday, the women went to the cross and uh, went to the tomb, and there was no one to be found there. Jesus was not be, was not there, uh, and the joy and the hope and the celebration of the resurrected Christ uh, is an extended reality, one that we can't pack all into one Sunday. And so we have this season of Easter tide uh, that that has uh, seven weeks of Easter leading up <clears throat> to Pentecost Sunday. Uh, this week, the, the lectionary cycle takes us to uh, the book of Luke. On Easter Sunday, we were in the, uh, we were in the gospel of, of Mark, uh, and then last week we, we went to John, and this, this week it takes us to Luke. And so we're kind of doing a quick survey of what is, what's all the aftermath here? What's going on in the lives of, of these followers of Christ now that the cross is empty, now that the tomb is empty as well, and Jesus has risen? So we're going we're gonna to read from Luke uh, chapter 24, starting with the second half of verse 36 and reading through verse 48. Out of reverence for the reading of God's word, I invite you to stand as you're able um, as we read this morning. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were terrified and afraid. They thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you startled? Why are doubts arising in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. It's really me. Touch me and see, for a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones like you see I have. As he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Because they were wondering and questioning in the midst of their happiness, he said to them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. Taking it, he ate it in front of them. Jesus said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law from Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. He said to them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and a change of heart 
and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. So I'm going to ask a question. Some of you may not have a good answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Who is the ninja in your household? Do you have a ninja in your household? Do you have one of those? The person who is absolutely silent on their approach and they come up and their one and sole intent is to just totally freak you out and to scare you and to jump at you from behind the corner. We have one in our house. Not going to repeat who it is. I don't want to call that person out. But did you have one of those people growing up in your house? Uh, you know, the one, the prankster, the one that liked to, to scare everybody, the one that, that liked to catch you off guard. Maybe you still have one in your house. Um, don't look at your neighbor right now. Uh, this passage from Luke continues this story of the resurrection of Jesus. And, and, and Jesus is like this silent ninja that shows up. He shows up behind locked doors. They're, they're getting away. They're hiding. They're, they're hiding. They're scared. They don't want the Romans to find them. They're not sure who they can trust. <laughs> Jesus keeps showing up. We're in this season of Easter that extends to Pentecost Sunday. And I think for me, as I, as I think about this time, it's, it's really kind of difficult. It's, it's kind of difficult to put myself in this situation. Uh, as I try to frame this season of year, it, it's easy for me to look at it from the year 2021. It, it's hard for me to break out of that, that, that habit and that tendency to, to frame it from today. Because the church has been around for, for 2,000 years. There's history and tradition. Resurrection talk about Jesus has certainly been normalized. And we talk about it often. We should talk about it often. Amen? Because Jesus is alive. He was crucified on the cross, but now he's alive. And that's a good, that's a good thing. It's important the church talk about that message. The disciples are not there. The disciples are definitely not there. They, they don't know what's going on. They have no idea. That's not their experience. They were witnesses of the crucifixion. They were distant witnesses because they were so scared they didn't want to be around. And I imagine them, them finding vantage points in the city where they can see what's going on on Calvary, but they're not going to get close enough. Certainly not Peter. Peter got to the courtyard of the trial, and then like these strangers were like, you're one of his followers. And Peter's like, no, that's, that's not me. In a very famous portion of Scripture, Peter says, I don't know anything about this Jesus guy. I'm just here warming my hands by the fire. But I think the other disciples as well probably found vantage points that were a little safer, a little further back, and they certainly knew what was happening at Calvary. Jesus was on the cross. And after his lifeless body was lowered from that cross and sealed in the tomb, there was no <laughs> miracle comeback. There was no highlight reel where Jesus stopped what was happening, stopped the inevitable, came back 
and showed the Romans what was up. I love those clips. I love those clips where a team is desperately behind, unless it's the Patriots, um, desperately behind, and, and they come back, and they win the game. Those are great, epic, kind of David and Goliath stories. That didn't happen for Jesus. He died, died. Broken and lifeless body taken from the cross and sealed in the tomb. And his disciples were distraught. You know, that's why Good Friday and Holy Saturday are so important for us in 2021. That's why Good Friday and Holy Saturday are, are particularly important for us today in our Christian experience. Because it, it wasn't any fun for them. They were lost. They were broken. In that state of mind, they were confused and desperate, and scared, and hiding behind locked doors. And the Gospels all, all have this sense of it. In those places, they hear these rumors start swirling. I saw him. He appeared to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh-huh. He's alive. He appeared to us. We were walking on the road, and he showed up. And we didn't recognize him at first. There's all sorts of speculation about that. Why was he not recognized? But the rumors were still there. Jesus has come back to life. Um, I, I generally like to stay in one gospel for a period of time. Uh, and so this kind of bouncing back and forth, we, we did Mark on Easter Sunday. Last week we were in John. Today we're in Luke. I, I really don't like that, but that's where the lecturing cycle takes us this year. But as, as I've listened to them over these past several weeks, they really become solid evidence of how crazy and chaotic this time really was. How crazy and how chaotic the times really were. What did Mark say? Mark, Mark said nothing. Mark's like, the, the women saw Jesus and they went home and they told nobody because they were terrified. <laughs> That's how Mark ends his gospel. There's some writers that add a few more verses on. We talked about that on, on Easter Sunday. Matthew, the, the, um, the women go to the tomb and there's a couple of men there. And so a couple of disciples take it upon themselves to go run and check it out. And they don't see anything. John repeats that, but Mary stays after the men leave, and, and then they, that's when she sees this man who she mistook as a gardener, and it turned out to be Jesus. Mary says, my Lord and my God. So all these gospel accounts are just getting this story just a little different. There's different shades, there's different colors, different things going on. And today we look into Luke's account. In Luke, again, it's the women who come to tend to the body. It's the women who show up. It's the women who say, we want to serve Jesus even in his death. But instead, they find two men in bright clothing. Um, and they, and th- they go back and they, they tell the disciples, but verse 11 says, <laughs> they considered it nonsense. Ah, men, come on. The women saw Jesus. They were excited. Or they saw the two men in bright clothes. And they came back and tell them. And the men are like, pfft. That's nonsense. Peter goes and checks anyway in Luke. Luke has this story of these two guys on the road to Emmaus. Um, we didn't 
We didn't read that portion of scripture, but it's right before the passage that we talked about, starting in verse 13. Um, These two men on the road to Emmaus. And how Jesus had, had, had accepted their invitation to come into the house where they were going. And they began to share a meal. And Jesus, in, in a move that would have been totally countercultural, totally inappropriate, comes to this guest's house and then becomes the host of the meal and breaks bread. And it says instantly, boom, their eyes were opened and they saw. And Luke ties our passage. These two men get so excited, they run back to Jerusalem. They've got to tell the people. Okay, It was getting late in the day, and they run all the way back to Jerusalem. And they tell the disciples, this is what happens. And this is the part of verse 36 that I skipped. It says this, while they were saying these things. So this is closely tied to the story of these two men who went to Emmaus and had encountered Jesus. As I look at our, our passage um, this morning, uh, a, few things, a few things strike me. A few, a few things catch my eye, and we're going to take a look at those. The first one is this. Food is really important. <laughs> Snacks. Um, food is really important. Uh, as you look at Luke's gospel, the telling of the resurrection is told in the context of meal. The story of the resurrection is told in the context of, of meal. David Neal states it this way. It reiterates this theme that the mystery of his resurrection is mediated through the table. For Luke, the table was significant. For Luke, that gathering around at mealtime was so important. And, and in fact, the... the that Jesus asks for food is critically important as well. There were some heresies that kind of circulated and swirled early on, and this is understandable. Put yourself there. There were these rumors that, that maybe Jesus was just a ghost. Maybe this, this reincarnate or this resurrection was, was kind of the image of Jesus or the spirit of Jesus had returned. Have you had those moments where your brain starts questioning reality? Was he really there? <laughs> was, was he really? Did I really? Maybe it was just. Maybe that's just happening to me. I turned forty-four this year, so I'm feeling a little. I'm feeling a little old. Um, but but my brain does that. It plays tricks on me. Like, did you really? Did you really encounter it that way? Was it really like that, Freebird? Add to that. In the early days of Christianity, there was no other. There was no other group that really wanted Christianity to spread. This whole rumor about Jesus, this resurrection, come on. Really? Certainly Rome didn't want it to. <laughs> you had Caesars murdering people who, who professed Christ, who, who said, I want to follow this crucified Savior. Rome was adamantly against this way prospering. And in Jerusalem, you had the Jewish establishment which saw the way as a threat as well. Luke's gospel stands as insurance, stands as assurance and counterpoint to this common sense. Surely a crucified man didn't come back to life. And Luke says he sat and he ate with him and he had hunger and asked for a piece of fish and ate together. The resurrection in Luke's gospel becomes a very tactile and sensory thing. 
uh, the, the way it's described. Bodily resurrection is a strong theme in New Testament writings and, and even throughout Scripture, right? Creation. God saw the world and he said, that's eh, all right. No, he didn't say that. He saw creation. He says, that's good. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God and the Word was with God. Christ was right there at creation. And God created light and he created dark and he created humans and he created the animals and he created the plants. And he said, it was good. It was very good. And that's a beautiful thing. So throughout Scripture, uh, here, here in this passage, the body of Christ is, is resurrected. Jesus is present in the room. But I love that the, 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 the sense of that gospel, the gospel message, hope and resurrection, is given around table, amongst friends, amongst the people who knew him best. Christ appeared and said, Let's eat together. This mystery is revealed and shown and proven by the sharing of the meal. In that story of the two men walking to Emmaus who talked to him for a long time. He talked to them about scriptures. He talked to them about the law and the prophets. And it wasn't until they were seated at table and Jesus stands and breaks bread and it says their eyes were opened. Luke places as a center place, centerpiece, the taking of food. <laughs> Jesus goes straight from snack time into lesson time. This is like the first kid's Sunday school ever, right? <laughs> Jesus gets it backwards, though, because normally you do the lesson and then the snacks. I don't know. I'm, I haven't helped out in kids' ministry as much as I should, but I think that's how it normally goes. Um, Jesus took time to open their minds to the scripture. <clears throat> the Greek word is uh, dianoigo. Their eyes were open, to open completely, to cause one to understand and to open one's soul. That's what it says about the disciples um, in, this, in this passage. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Same word that was used when he broke bread with the two on the road to Emmaus. I know what happened. I know what happened for these disciples. I, I've been in this place before. My mind circling the drain, saying it's over. We're lost. It's done. There's no hope. What do we do now? And their mind racing. Not, not one person. Not one person in that grief said, wait, wait, wait. Let's go back to the prophets. What did it say? What did it say? There's just something registered in my mind. What did Jesus say about a third day? Didn't he say something about a third day? Let's find a psalm to bring us comfort. This is not where the disciples are at. They're broken and they're lost. But Jesus gets to begin to reframe for these followers all of the scriptures the creation, the flood, the people of God, the law. Jeremiah saying, one day the law is going to be written on your hearts. Isaiah has this beautiful picture of the suffering servant. And Jesus says, do you remember? 
Do you remember what Isaiah said to God's people? Not to mention all of his lessons, all that he had taught over these three years as he had walked the countryside of Israel. Oh, to be in that Sunday school class that day. I don't know that it was Sunday, but it sounds like a Sunday school class. Jesus saying, let me open your eyes to what this long story has been about all these years. And scripture says this, and a change of heart and life for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And he says this, you are witnesses of these things. You, use, that's a plural you, you, the disciples in the room and the disciples in this room, you are witnesses of these things. Other versions at the beginning of that verse say, repentance for the forgiveness of sins preached where all nations, that this message of the gospel would leak out from us all over the place. Leaking's normally not good. <laughs> In machinery and people, it's just not good. But when it's the gospel, it's a good thing. It's a good thing to the world. And Jesus was saying, that's our job. That's our job as witnesses. That's what witnesses do. They show up in court and they say, yeah, I was there. Let me leak a little bit about what I saw. I think we're called to be a little leaky in our world. And here we see the writer of Luke is to, to set the record Set, to set the record of, of how this gospel is about to take root in the hearts and lives of the people of God as established by Jesus Christ. The same author that wrote, generally in, in biblical studies, sometimes called the evangelist, the same author that wrote Luke is, is also the same author that wrote the book of Acts. And so we, we read from Acts today in, in our scripture reading, um, and yet that this author had the, the particular intent of saying, this is what these witnesses are about to tell. This is what they start. This is, this is the origin story of all that I'm about to write in this second volume called, that we have called Acts. This author will record the witnessing of these followers of Christ and all that they will begin to do in the months and years to come. What does Acts 1 say as Jesus departs? If you, if you take a look and, and, and jump forward in the story, Acts 1 says this, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a big leaking job that we share today. It extends to us today. We remain witnesses of the resurrection today. Witnesses, witnessing for, for disciples took on an, an actual legal component. These, these guys were actually called into court. Actually had to stand uh, trial for some of what they believed. We'll see in Acts the followers of the way of Jesus' 
crucifixion and resurrection will get dragged into court, harassed by legal systems. And I'm grateful today for the freedom to assemble and to speak the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that a blessing? But they were literal witnesses and they chose to stand and they chose to say, this is what I've seen. This is what happened to me. What exactly are we witnesses of these days? The very same thing. Amen? We witness the very same thing, that the resurrected Christ comes to change our lives and to set us free and to make us into something new, that which he would have us to be. Christ has died, but stands in our midst by the power of the Holy Spirit, and that God teaches us again through the law and through the prophets and the Psalms and the Gospels this incredible, audacious story of hope that the people of God might repent, might confess, and be transformed. Has that happened to you? And have you leaked it a little bit? Not, uh, not all over the place, not to strangers, maybe around your table. Maybe around your table as you break bread, much like Luke shared about. I'm going to invite the praise team up as we close today. We stand today once again in this, this liminal space, this, this awkward place, this, this in-between time with the disciples I want to stand with the disciples in this awkward moment between the crucifixion of Christ where their world was kind of undone, where they, where they don't really know what to believe and what to think. It'd be kind of nice if they, they got it right away. Like just for once, disciples just like, oh, yes, this is awesome. We're going to go change the world. They caught a a glimpse of the mission of God and said, this is what we're about. It's not their story. They were were so caught up in in the mystery of this and the the incongruence of this is, we saw Christ die. And yet now we're living this new reality. They kept going back behind locked doors, questioning what they saw, going fishing, (laughs) waiting for the next instruction. Some of you are like, hey, going fishing, that one should be okay. Um, But today the instruction is simple. You are my witnesses. For the church, for the faithful, the instruction is tell people what you have seen. Be a witness to the resurrection of Christ. Tell people what you have heard. Can we do that? We can By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. We can live as people of God, transformed from the inside out. Let me pray for us, and then we'll sing. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to be in your house and to hear from your word. And I pray today that you would help us to be witnesses of the resurrection today. With our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, with people we see at the grocery store 
our school classrooms, God. Help us be witnesses for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.